bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 163 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this podcast is focused on helping you transform your life from the inside out. Body, mind, spirit. Today's guest is Amy Hinks, and she is here to share how she transitioned her family of five to a whole food plant-based diet. But before we launch into this week's episode, I just wanted to let you all know there are a few things going on for me at the moment. With school finishing up for the year and all of what has been 2020, and Christmas and New Year fast approaching. And I'm also launching the Institute of Integrative Coaching in 2021. So I'm busy with that behind the scenes. And my dad has been very unwell for a couple of months now and increasingly unwell with T-cell lymphoma. So he's undergoing chemotherapy and that has been quite a lot for our family. And as a result, the next six weeks may have fewer or shorter episodes coming out as I focus my time on my family and launching the Institute of Integrative Coaching, or the IIC as I like to call it, because otherwise it's a bit of a mouthful. If you'd like to chat about having some one-on-one coaching, or you'd like to know more about the NLP hypnosis and Reiki certification trainings that I'll be running in 2021, feel free to message me over on Facebook or Instagram, or connect to me via email over on my website at corinneninja.com. But without further ado, please enjoy this week's episode with Amy Hinks. I I hope her story helps you or someone you love to believe that you can make the transition to a whole food plant-based diet and make it enjoyable and exciting and fun for your family. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and New Year and holiday season. And I wish you so much love and happiness and just peace and calm and health This has been a long year and my heart is with you all, wherever you are in the world. If you're safe with COVID, wherever you are, I'm thinking of you all and I'm holding you close and thank you for your support and your connection and for listening and supporting this podcast in all the ways that you do. So thank you so much and I will be speaking to you very soon. Take care and enjoy the show. Hello, Amy, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. On this wintry summer night. Well, I yeah. know. Wintry summer in Melbourne. We've had five, it's an eggnog type of last You know what? Days. It does feel like a traditional Christmas night. It's kind of nice. It is. I, I think it's nice. I would have liked our fire going, and I know you had your fire going. I did. I did. It was beautiful. I did get a little warm at one point, but it was still nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> nice. I think when you never, I've never had a, like a white Christmas and I've, I've, yeah, I've never had a white Christmas and it does feel a bit like that, like that yeah. idea of being cold and snuggly and wanting to have eggnog and cinnamon and the spices because you're cold. Exactly. Whereas in Melbourne, Australia or Victoria, it, 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 it seems like overkill to have hot foods on hot weather. Yes. It does. Don't worry, it'll be boiling hot next week and we'll feel summery again and, you know, 
we'll go from there. <laughs> we Melbourne. Yeah, I do like summer Christmas because I just associate so it with I. sprinklers and swimming and splashing and and it works well with a long summer break. Yeah, true. Yeah, they have their long break. It does the north. If you're listening, Northern Hemisphere. You have your long break in the middle of the year in the winter, do they? Well, because their, their summer is our winter, obviously. So June, July is their summer. But then I guess it depends because school terms are different too. So they finish their year in like September. Yeah. So they probably, I think, or they start in September. I have family there. I should know. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> if you're listening, I'm sorry we're screwing this up. Yes, we're sorry. I'm just understanding that the middle of the year is your long holidays because that's your summer. Yeah, Whereas we, I had an American friend who came out here and we were sunbaking on Christmas Day and she was freaked out. She's like, this is the weirdest thing. So, yeah, <laughs> we're the opposites. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I actually did know their winter was in, their summer was in our winter, but I'm very tired. If you're listening, it's, it's nighttime. It's been a pandemic. We're mums. We're mums. a pandemic. Us, you know, Yeah. I've just put my kids to bed. It's been a long day. So forgive me for mucking this up. (laughs) But Amy, you are here to talk about your whole food plant-based journey and I'm excited to hear it and for you to share it. So what about you start at the start, if you don't mind? Sure. I think um, for me it was something, although it's only been a couple of years, I think it was something that was niggling in the back of my mind for a long time. Mm. I grew up in a in a fairly healthy family, eating probably a standard diet, but I would say a healthier standard diet. And then um, I've always loved vegetarian food. I used to work with a guy who was vegan and used to love going to get lunch with him and it felt like a good excuse to eat vegan food. And then I think I sort of went on a bit of a journey for what what is an honest diet? What is a diet? you know, there's so many fads out there, but what, what do we eat that's actually really good for us? And so for me, it became a journey about honesty and about cutting through, I guess, people's opinions and trying to find out what wasn't a fad, but what was sort of lasting, I guess. And I think it kept leading me to plant-based. Everything I listened to, podcasts, things I read, kept heading that way. So for me, it was kind of, I guess, a few things towards the end that I listened to a podcast that was really smart people talking about it and I was like, right, okay, and it just stuck in the back of my mind. And then, you know, we'd sort of gone, I guess, paleo, you know, whole food but still including animal products and it it felt forced and I missed carbs. I really missed carbs. My husband didn't so much but for me I really missed bread and potatoes and I just thought I'm a carb person am I addicted to carbs and then I just felt unnatural to remove certain things so then I sort of played with keto for like a day and that just did not work for me at all I didn't even really go down that path Um, and my husband sort of started doing the coconut oil in his coffee and his cholesterol went up for the first time and I was was like "Mm, okay so then I just said let's try it let's give it a go I'm going to cut out all animal products and we were already eating whole food. We were already eating organic whole food. So it wasn't a huge jump in that sense, but cutting out eggs and meat was huge for us. He was a barbecue loving, smoking, you know, like full meat lover. It was his thing. It was part of his identity. So I said to him that I didn't expect 
him to change what he wanted to do and if he wanted to eat meat when he was at work with mates or whatever, he could do that. But I was going to change what I ate and I was going to alter the family diet because we've got three kids. It kind of happened quite naturally, but I remember at first thinking, how am I going to do this and what am I going to cook? Because, you know, you'd cook some lamb cutlets and a salad and some potatoes and that was a meal. So for me, it was a little bit of a mental challenge, but then once I made that mental leap from what I'd grown up with, it was quite liberating, I think, you know, that meals didn't have to be this structured thing. It could be lots of different things down a table that the kids and I all just picked what we wanted. So I would say it came over, it was something in the back of my mind that came over years and it was a gradual transition for our family, but for me a little quicker. I took out animal products pretty much straight away but I sort of weaned the rest of the family off a little. When you were talking about this transition and you were saying that, you know, you your husband was this meat lover and and then you made this trans you wanted to make this transition for yourself and that you would wanted to also alter the family diet. How was that for your kids who had it you know, obviously it sounds like you were eating a whole they were eating whole whole food diet anyway but yeah it's a big swap for kids so how how did they go you know what they were actually amazing I I mean kids are so resilient and to be honest I made sure I was still making yummy food and I didn't at first I didn't try and replace any meat meals I I made like rice bowls with my kids already liked tofu but they hadn't had as much for a while so I I didn't try and replace lasagna or I didn't try and replace bolognese or anything like that yet because it felt like it was going to taste too different to what they were used to so I think for them we did lots of it was summer at the time which was kind of helpful but we did lots of baked potatoes which different toppings and they would put what they want on top and then we'd do rice bowls another night with you know cucumber tomato avocado lots of different things and again they would make and they loved that they loved that freedom to to make their own bowl. So I think the key to the kids was not changing their usuals, like almost just creating meals that were delicious that were already plant-based, if that kind of makes sense. And I think they found it better than us. I mean, I don't even remember them sort of saying, can we have certain things? I remember my daughter saying to me, and I hadn't even really had a conversation about the ethical side of meat. I talked about wanting to eat more vegetables and, and you know, I think and what they do to your tummy and they feed the good bugs and we have that conversation a lot. But my daughter said to me one night, I really like sausages, mum, but I really like baby lambs. Yeah. And I thought I didn't even know. She obviously thought sausages are made from lamb and she'd made that connection herself and I hadn't even discussed that. I was always honest about where food came from. But I don't know, it happened really easily for them, I think, my husband probably found it harder, but I didn't ask him to change. He watched a few documentaries with me and he understood the science. He loves science. So when he understood the science of how certain foods affect the body, he could then make his own choice. And I said to him that this needs to be a choice for you. You know, if you, you can have meat when you want, but this is the choice I'm making for the family and this is why. And he would still have meat with friends you know, a steak and a movie in Melbourne because we're on the peninsula. So he would spend a night in Melbourne every now and then. But then gradually he sort of wanted to challenge himself, but he also started to feel better. 
And then there was a period where he didn't have meat for a couple of months and didn't said, I said to him, how are you feeling about it? And I felt it was me. I still sometimes a couple of months ago, we were at a birthday party and he looked at something and he went, oh, yum. And I said, do you want to eat that? And he said, no, but it's okay for me to look at it and think it looks yum. It was something like a vanilla slice. It wasn't even, it wasn't meat. It was more of a confectionery dairy item. But I think there was a part of me that felt guilty that he gave up meat until one day he said to me, no, Amy, this was truly my choice. You know, you didn't pressure me. And I said, I didn't think I did, but I didn't want to. So it was really awesome to know that he had made that choice on his own and he'd made it for his own reasons. And he went to a work function and they served some meat on his plate and he ate it. And he said, I had these mixed emotions. He said, it tasted waxy. It tasted awful. And he said, there was a part of me that kind of mourned the meat lover who I was, but there was a part of me that was really proud and sort of glad that I got to that point because I wanted to get to that point, Mm. but I didn't truly believe that I necessarily could. Absolutely. And that's the thing that I think many of us on this journey, you really don't think you're ever going to not miss those You think you'll be okay without it, but you don't think you won't like it if you eat it. Yeah. And that was a huge shock for me too. A couple of months in, we went to a friend's and she um, did salad and I fill it on the barbecue. And I kind of secretly thought, oh, great excuse to eat meat and enjoy it because I, I better not be rude. Yeah. It was disgusting and I was so shocked because previously I feel it would have been an, a number one choice for me at a restaurant. But I also understood the sort of the way the taste buds work with your microbiome and stuff. So it made mm. sense, but I still didn't believe it would happen. Yeah. You don't believe it will happen. Like you don't believe it will happen. And then it, it, it also becomes like just not food. And when I have foods like, you know, I just was telling someone in a podcast last week, you know, I had I had some crackers and I shouldn't because I have multiple sclerosis and it's not good for me. But I was at a party and I don't eat crackers. Like I just don't, they're not food to me, but I was really tired and I was sitting in front of them and I'd had two, I had two glasses of champagne because it was her birthday, my best, like my oldest high school friends, but I do, and I just, oh no, I don't drink. So mm. it was a bad combo. I was tired. <laughs> I don't drink. So the glasses of champagne went straight to my head. And I was like, I actually feel sick. Like I need something in my stomach because I fruit's not going to get rid of this feeling of being too drunk too quickly at this party. Yeah. So I just had, had these crackers because they're the only vegan thing on the, the table on the platter. And I ate, like, I don't know, five of them. And I just felt immediately worse and mm. and not fo- and foggy and tired, like really tired. And not just because I had two glasses of champagne, but just like it exacerbated the symptoms. It didn't help. It did help with the nausea, like the weird, dizzy, nauseous kind of feeling that I had because I just don't drink. I'm just not – I never got into it. So it's not been something that I've done very much. So I'm still like an 18-year-old not knowing what I'm doing with alcohol. I just have – like it's so rarely that I just – I was like, I'm thirsty. I had this drink, but not realising that it would get me really drunk too quickly. Just such a – novice when it, my my kids would say noob I'm such a noob when it comes to alcohol <laughs> but yeah you had the crackers and you felt crappy, you don't right? feel you don't feel good and when you have those types of food that you think you're going to feel great even my husband like he always says like you wrecked he says to me you wrecked <laughs> like but we it's wrecked for you you think you're gonna if, if he has something that might be heavier in fat for instance like a vegan cake with oil in it and you're just yeah like, or something 
out, like takeaway. Yeah, or takeaway. Yeah. And it's like, why would we ever get that? But part of you wants to still go to a restaurant and enjoy a meal and a chat in a nice atmosphere in those places. But now both of us are, are like, is it worth it? Because they're always going to give you more oil than what you want and you want none and it, you just don't feel as good the next day and it tastes oily. It tastes, really tastes yeah. oily. I mean, we found that with isolation because we were home for every meal and then as soon as things sort of opened up a little bit, we went to lunch and we were both like, oh, I feel sick. But, I mean, we do have restaurants we go to where the food is beautiful and the Mornington Peninsula, obviously, we have beautiful restaurants and you can go to some that you know they, they cook beautiful fresh food and you don't feel sick. But, yeah, the whole the meat thing, I did not expect to not like it and I heated not either and that was a huge shock. But he said, I just, I just, felt, I just feel better and I, I just never expected him to join my journey. And so that's why I think I felt guilty for ages because I kept saying to him, are you sure, like, you're not just lying to me or you're not just saying that to, to please me? He said, no, Aim, I'm not. And, and I believe him because he's not that guy, you know, but I did, I think the, the my self-doubt was part of that, you know, are you sure, you know, yeah. So that was a, that was a kind of cool part of it. It's really cool. And so what documentaries do you think were the ones that really piqued his interest and made him? And helps him want to make the switch for himself for his own reasons. So we watched, obviously, What the Health, and I think that he he enjoyed that one, but he kind of started to fall asleep a bit towards the end. But the one that really got him, I think, was Game Changers. Mm, yeah. It's such a good one. Yeah, because it kind of, I liked the, the way he did it because it was kind of his journey and he asked questions that anyone would ask going into it. Um, he asked a lot of the questions, you know, about protein and about all all different elements of it. But I also think the science in it was what he liked, talking about the the interaction with the gut microbiome and then the TMAO and all that kind of science side of it and the biochemistry. I think that was really fascinating for both of us. And I think we both learned a lot out of that. And I think for him that was sort of the motivator to go, yeah, okay, I get it. This isn't just I'm going to try and really cut this out, not just dabble. It's a really, really powerful film. I was so excited when it came out because I really felt like it was the first plant-based documentary that really powerfully connects with with men, and I know I'm generalizing because I know it, can, I know, I I know it connected with I, women, but yeah. it did for me. It was really powerful to me too, but I think a lot of women find making the switch a lot it makes a lot more sense perhaps because we're more inclined to be more soft-hearted towards animals and you know gentle in our nature and so it fits with our model of the world i don't know with our empathy i have no idea what it is but it does seem like there are tended to be for a long time many more plant-based women than there were men men and I think that was the best thing about the film too because it wasn't about – so what the health was talking about, obviously going plant-based to get off medication and for serious illness. And But the thing I liked about Game Changers was it was about strength and about, you know, and I think for men and the bodybuilding kind of world and unfortunately there are those stereotypes that to be strong, you know, you need meat. And I think that side of it was really interesting because neither of us had health issues that we needed to necessarily – transform you know we were we were healthy there was no real complaints so that was about fitness strength 
you know, and longevity and those kind of things and day-to-day performance. I mean, looking at the performance of, you know, men's erections, <laughs> that was they, that was a basic day-to-day thing. That's not talking about an illness or, a, you know, that just showed the, the basic functions of healthy men and, you know, humans in general, healthy humans. So I think that was the difference for us. There wasn't an illness we were trying to tackle or, I mean, look, his cholesterol had got to a, a higher area of normal, but not certainly not something doctors will worry about or even, you know, concerned. They just said it's it's normal, but at the higher end of normal. But for me, that was enough to go, okay, we're getting older. That was a bit of a motivation. But Game Changers was great for that, about strength, fitness. You were talking about how you you wanted to find the most kind of honest way of eating. And I really love that that way of phrasing it but how do you think you what led you to to that journey of wanting to find an honest way of eating like that's a pretty profound thing to contemplate doing and I think that that is interesting to hear how that came about in your mind I think I think as a mum you want to do best for your kids and I think being a mum changes things and and you get to an age where you kind of think okay I'm not I'm not invincible not that you ever are but when you're younger you think you are and so I guess as a mum, you're thinking, what what is best for my family and what is best for my kids? And so I don't know, I guess because nutrition's always been an interest of mine, it's never been a career of mine, but it's always been an interest. And I've always seen a naturopath and dad was a doctor. So I, that that's always been an interest. So I guess, I guess I just wanted to know that I was doing the best for my family. I think that and finding sort of, I don't know, I felt like it was like sort of finding your way through a maze. Like where what, where is the honesty? I just want to find what should we be eating, you know, rather than swinging between, oh, this is good for you and that's not good for you. And and some things just didn't really make sense. And the sort of high fat thing just felt so forced. Like when my husband was putting that coconut oil in his coffee and it was floating on the top and I, I was like, do you like it? He goes, I don't know. Isn't it good for my brain? I was like, I don't know. It feels very forced though. Like you wouldn't, in nature, you wouldn't sort of I don't know. Anyway, so you wouldn't be scraping coconut fat into a coffee in nature. Yeah. I mean, look, we may not be making a coffee either, but you yeah. know, essentially it just felt normal to eat more fruit and vegetables and to eat things in their whole form. Like it just made sense to me, but more than anything, when we went that way, I was satisfied. Yeah. It stuck. Mm. And that's the difference. Anything else never stuck. Paleo, I missed carbs and you know, I didn't really want to eat that much meat or, you know, I found it harder to cook, whereas whole food plant-based has stuck. It's felt quite liberating not having that structured meal and I feel satisfied constantly. I don't miss meat. So I guess it's not just trying to find find the honesty in what other people think. It's finding our kind of honest place too. So it's about what works. And I think at the end of the day, you it has to work for you. Absolutely. One of the things, speaking of that, like that kind of that inner knowing about what feels right for you. I don't know if you've read the book, but the one of the books from me on my journey, which I don't speak about on the show ever, and I probably should. It's not a book that like I recommend to people all the time, so I apologize to the authors. But I mean, when I read the eighty ten ten diet, now I don't follow the eighty. 10 10 as far as it's a lot of raw um mostly raw i think i think it's mostly raw but the 80 10 10 book when they he talks about like how we eat that was the first whole food plant-based book where i was really like 
yeah, like, of course I want to eat like bananas and mango and beautiful fruits and fresh fruit. And of course my teeth are designed and my intestines, you know, of course it just made so much sense. Like I don't, as I said, I don't eat strictly. I do eat probably 80, 10, 10 as far as carbs, fat, protein, typically, but mm. not, not, well, I, in summer I eat a lot of raw, but I don't eat as much raw in the colder months in Victoria because I just get really cold and I find it hard to warm up. Yeah. But, yeah, his book was the first book that just made it, just felt like common sense that this is how we're meant to eat. Yeah, that's and that's exactly it. I think it was a combination of feeling good about finding something that satisfied everyone and everyone was healthy and, you know, I didn't even sort of realize I was healthier until I my I think it was a friend or someone said to me, oh, I've got a really bad sinus infection. And I was like, oh, my God, I used to get them all the time. And it just hit me. And I was like, I used to get them at least twice a year and it would be to the point where probably I should, you know, if you went to the doctor, they'd say have some antibiotics. But I didn't go to the doctor. I just, you know, put salt water up my nose and, you know, did that kind of thing. But I just realized I didn't get that anymore and spring came around and my husband didn't get hay fever like he used to get debilitating you know head cold sort of can't get out of bed hay fever every single day for months and you know some seasons he'll get a little but he can manage it with you know turmeric and Chinese herbs and things like that and vitamin c and zinc not telfast and medication which he used to have to take every day and, you know, my son suffered severe constipation and, yes, I have to focus on getting him to sit on the toilet because he gets distracted. But apart from that, he, you know, he, his bowels move more and, you know, everyone's got, I don't know, I just felt, and then you start to look at things and then, you know, you'll hear someone talk about debilitating period pain and I thought, I don't get that anymore. I don't get period pain anymore. So, you know, You'll hear, like I listen to a podcast about hormones and talking about a whole food plant-based for period pain and PMS. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, I don't get that. So I think then you get those confirmations that it's working and then you sort of never look back. And then, too, I've found without the reliance on meat, I've got a newfound kind of appreciation for my long-term love for animals. I've always loved animals. And mum said to me the other day, Amy, you've always loved animals ever since you were like, you know, tiny. So that was something I just pushed aside. I could never go out and hunt an animal. So why should I have it on my plate? Like, sure, you know, if you want to go and do that and that's your thing, you know, that's each to their own. But for me, without the reliance from a taste and a kind of everyday plate point of view, it I now have that passion and the ethical side of it. And then I love the environment. And then you're like, oh, my God, you can't turn back. Like, you know, and that's that's another motivator for my kids now. They understand my son especially is really passionate about the environment. And, you know, he said the other day when I'm older I want to dive in the ocean and get plastic out of the ocean and look after the sea. And so he's passionate about the environment and understands the impact of animals and big agriculture on the environment. So, it's, yeah, it's sort of it's a big circle that keeps going round, I guess. It really is. I, 
Absolutely agree. It's interesting because my journey, well, not it's it's not similar insofar as I did have serious illness, but that connection with the animals coming, like you know, both coming from a health perspective, in one way or another, and then and then making that like, oh. Mm. It's not actually in your ethics, in your values. You push it aside. You block it out. It's just condition. You don't even push yeah. it aside. It's not even in your sphere. It's not a conscious. Yeah, true. True. You're not aside. even consciously pushing it aside. Yeah. It's just uh, this is what everyone does. This is this what's is normal. normal. You just eat. You eat babies. <laughs> you eat literal babies. And I think and it's, it's some normal. Doctor Clapper when he says about cow's milk, and he says it's baby cow growth fluid and it's like it's just it now makes so much sense to me I mean cow's milk is made to make a tiny tiny cow grow into a huge mammal and that's what I said to someone the other day I said you know I guess from my point of view it's not really made for us you know and and my three-year-old has never really had dairy because it just she's been around for most of this journey and she kind of finds it funny when someone says cows mean she goes, No, that's for baby cows. Like she you know, it just it's silly that you would think about that, you know? Because it yeah. So I guess once you take away that reliance on animal products, it becomes a very different sort of picture. Mm. But it's interesting, like you say, that you we grew up believing this way, but your children are believing something vastly different to to what was our status quo, what was our normal. And it's I find it fascinating because people people will say, Oh, you know, it's normal. That's just a normal way to eat. It's a normal way to eat. But then you meet our kids and to them it's it's not. And so it's it's normal to who? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because our kids don't think it's normal at all. No. It's just normal because of your context and your conditioning and your environment and what's going on in your little echo chamber of the world that it that it's normal, but it's it's really not normal because our kids would never our kids would never salivate looking at a baby lamb in a paddock. If we were carnivores, our kids would look at a baby lamb and salivate. I think most kids would be vegan if they had the choice. I think absolutely they would. I just think it's not it's not talked about. It's just it's it, there. Yeah, it is. You know that thing where you know people will say you know oh everyone needs to eat meat and you're like well if we did need it why do we not act like all other carnivores where we see an animal and we start to salivate and we like. Crouch down and wait, yeah, wait, wait to attack it behind a bush. Wait to attack it from behind a bush. Like I never ever do that. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. The the sort of gut element and the microbiome, I think, was really big for me and a good way to explain it to kids. So when you think about what feeds a healthy microbiome, it's plants. It's diversity of plants. So I think in many ways they get that, and we talk about you know happy bugs in your tummy and what feeds happy bugs and what feeds the bad bugs and you know because obviously sugar is an element to discuss with kids and and moderate but I think for me that was also another part of the science that made so much sense because if our if our gut microbiome determines our mood and determines our mental state and our overall immune system how can how can you not want to put the best things for that gut microbiome in 
So I think the work of like, um, you know, Zach Bush and that kind of his his work on the microbiome and everything and breathing the microbiome and food, that was incredible for me. And I think a really good way to be motivated and explain it to kids as well, if you want to take the animal side out of it. Absolutely. Like I, th- I think talking about, we, we talk about good guys and bad guys in our house because my, son, my sons are big into you know, good guys and bad guys. So that's why that worked for us. It's really helpful to say, like, the, the, the bad guys love lollies. They love donuts. They love meat. They love cheese. They love dairy. They love processed food and breads. And the good guys love the things we put into your lunchbox that you leave, yeah. you send home Fruit every day. <laughs> <laughs> I know my kid said to me the other day, Mum, there's not many kids in the class that our, that look the same of our lunchbox. And I said, oh, really? And then there's a few. And then I asked one of them, I said, who is it? And then I realised the mum's a scientist. And I was like, uh-huh. So the other kid who my son said, her lunchbox looks much like mine. She's got vegetables. And I was like, uh-huh. That's because her mum knows what she's doing. It's, it's, it's hard. How do you find that? So it, I, I'm, I'm thinking this episode's very good for people who are wanting to transition as a family because it's such – People can get overwhelmed thinking like, how will it work for the family? And you're a great model of how it, it can work with with a diverse range of kids and ages and stages and a meat-loving husband and all of those things. But lunchboxes for me is one of those things where Iggy comes home and he says, you know, I just want, they had chopper chop, they had chips, they have this, they have that. And it's a challenge. I still, I find, I, I every now and again I'll make like, Snack, but it's hard. Our school's got no peanut, you know, no yeah, peanut, we're the same. No nuts, and that makes no it nuts. hard because you're like, I'd make you a delicious cookie, and he's like, I don't want tahini cookies, mum. Yeah, I only want peanut butter cookies or you know almond butter cookies, and I can't make those cookies, and I can't make bliss balls with that in it. Yeah. So the oat bliss balls he doesn't like as much if they're just oats, and so I do find that can be a challenge. But tonight I just said to him, you know what, we're sending your lunchbox because we go to the farmers market each week and I said your lunchbox has berries that I only ever got once a year when I was growing (laughs) up on Christmas day you're so lucky to have a lunchbox with cherries and mulberries and raspberries and blackberries and watermelon and all these amazing fruits in your lunchbox because I was just an apple and an orange in mine and you just it was always beaten up and bruised and and sad and covered in wax you know those beaten up Granny Smiths when you're a kid. Yeah. Oh. We had a similar discussion in the car on the way to school this morning. And my son, because he he was, I mean, he was the start of our journey probably a few years ago cutting out dairy because he didn't tolerate it. And so he's got an association with with those foods making him feel unwell. So he's totally cool with whatever I put in his lunchbox, loves fruit. You know, I think to all three of my kids strawberries is a complete treat because I buy organic strawberries so you know berries cherries we're lucky enough to have cherry farms in the peninsula so yesterday we picked up two kilos of cherries I mean that was you know pretty damn exciting in our house but my daughter struggles a little more with the sweets and seeing other kids lunch boxes and look it's because it's her first year at school too and she is she's experimenting with what everyone else is having and wanting to be a bit the same. And she said to me this morning, you know, oh, my friends think that I I can't get a lunch order because I'm allergic. And I said, oh, well, that's not true. And she said, um, and she said, but I I wouldn't get one. And I said, do you want to get one? 
And she said, I don't know. And I could tell there was kind of that conflict of wanting to get a lunch order because some of the kids were. But I said, look, darling, you can get a lunch order if you want. And I said, but the food is very junky. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be something we'd get often because it's not not good for you. Um, and I said, and, and Parker said, I think it would make me feel sick if I had a lunch order. And I said, yeah, it probably might, buddy. I don't know. But, I mean, there's, we're gluten-free as well for my, my son and my husband and potentially the girls have the celiac gene and react to gluten. So that's something we've cut out. So that adds another layer. It does. That adds a much bigger layer. To navigating yeah. parties, school, you know, being out. But, again, yeah, I, I think I think that is a struggle for people and I think you don't want your kids to resent you. So I think sometimes kids have to be, you know, you can let them eat what they want at a party but – Often they'll feel sick. It's just, and that's that's the thing. So yeah, Iggy does. Iggy will say, and he doesn't say it very often, but he played me a video like two days ago, of, like an animation of a cartoon character whose parents only fed them wholemeal bread, like we do, and only vegetables and fruit. And the kid, it was a kid that had grown up to an adult, and he said, "When I was little, I used to hate that my mum never gave us healthy food and junk food at school." But now I'm an adult, I appreciate that they tried to raise me healthy. And I was like, oh, that's cute that you're showing me this because obviously it resonated with you because the kid, but the kid said he ate a bag of Skittles and he threw up everywhere. And then, you know, in that cartoon, and he said that he ate hot dogs and then washed it down with Coke and he barfed everywhere, like as a, as a child. So the cartoon yeah. was very silly, but at each book, it was bookended by them saying, my mum tried to feed us healthy food. And I, I'm glad that she did because. Um, yes. I understand and appreciate it. It showed that journey. Yeah, now. And I think Iggy himself, like when they have junk food, like they literally say, oh, that's too sweet for me. And I never once said that when I was growing up. I was yes, always. mine say that often. It's My too son sweet. will say that I don't often, want that's that. too sweet. Or he said to me, we had something with sugar, like sugar, mm. sugar. Mm. And he said to me, mum, my head feels funny. I don't feel right. Yeah. Whereas my daughter, it wouldn't bother at all. She'd actually <laughs> probably love it. But my son definitely <laughs> notices that. But I think. I also make them feel proud. Yeah. You know, I say you should be so proud of how you eat and because often their kids in their class will be off sick and they're very, very rarely sick. Mm, yeah, same. I mean, we'll take a day off for a sneaky, like, sleep in because we just want a day off but not for, not for illness at all. So I think uh, we do kind of have a really positive attitude around um you know, feeding our body well, looking after our body and and how important that is, what we eat determines. Like we do talk about what we eat determines our mood, it determines our skin, it determines our muscles, our, you know, everything about us. So there is, I feel like, I mean, I hope you, you have to sort of let them be themselves, of course, but I do feel like and I hope that I make them feel proud about the way they eat, you know. Yeah, and I think, as you say, we do berries and we uh, we sort of make sure we do get the treats like that that you know and my husband makes banana bread that's beautiful and sometimes he'll make chocolate muffins that have got more maple syrup than I'd put in it so they love it you know things like that but and I do think you need to do that so there are those things that compare you know I, the other day my, they had the chocolate muffins in their in their lunch and I heard my son saying look look what I've got because he had one after school as well and I do think you if for kids you do need to have healthier comparable items yes and so we do try to do that too and like it, it, it i'm making it seem like it's a big sh- big fight all the time and it's not like overall as you say like my kids are they're never sick they're touch wood they're 
they're great and they they eat so well and they're so strong and all of those things and they are proud of themselves. Sometimes a bit too proud today at school, Theo said, I think I'm going to be doing prep transition. He goes, I think I'm going to be the fastest, strongest kid there because I'm vegan. And I'm like, uh, please don't go out making friends like that. You know, <laughs> you're going to lose friends instantly if you say, I think I'm the fastest one here because I'm vegan. My daughter said to her teacher, because she's mostly plant-based, she said to me, I'm just trying to get rid of dairy, but I'm pretty much there. Anyway, um, she said, my daughter said to her, her teacher, I think we're the healthiest in the class. And she said, oh, I hope not. I hope we're not the only healthy ones. But, yeah, she obviously felt, you know, proud of that too. And, I, and they definitely do feel proud and they understand, um, you know. But, but I guess it's being honest with them. You know, again, it's that honesty around what food does to you. Kids are smart. You know, if you, if you explain to them with, with honesty and, and compassion, I think it makes sense to them. So, you know, I think people can underestimate kids to a certain degree. Absolutely. And like, like you said, when your daughter was like, I like, I like lamb, but I also like lambs. Yeah. They are smart. She said, I, I, I like sausages, but I really like baby lambs, as in the, the compromise is just not worth it for me. And I'd never had, I hadn't had that, like I'd told them where things came from. I'm always very honest about things like that, but I hadn't put my judgment on it. I hadn't put an ethical angle on it. I'd been matter of fact. So she'd drawn that conclusion herself, which was really interesting. Yeah, it is. And, you know, my kids, when you talk about like like animals, they just, they just, like little kids just love them. That's why we take them to petting zoos and we take them to those places because they just love animals. Like my kids like, like make me wind down the window so we can say, I love you, sheep, when we drive past sheep. Yeah, we stop at the at the sheep almost nearly every day because they had lambs recently so we stopped and, and then they, the paddock was empty and I was like, oh, no, what's happened? They <laughs> sold them. Anyway, they came back. But you have that moment where you're like, okay, I need to tell you what's happened to them. They've gone on a truck. And I just said, I don't know, maybe they're in another paddock. But, you know, they were actually there. They were in another paddock. But, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a relief. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is one of those things. And I think as with parties and with those kinds of moments in kids' life, like for me, with Iggy, like I'm, you know, I know that when he goes to this, the karate Halloween party and different parties that there are, He's going to eat way more vegan junk food. But now he'll go to the shops and sometimes I make mistakes when I buy things because I just mm. assume it's vegan sometimes because in my echo chamber everything's vegan and I'll buy. Your guards down for a minute. Yeah. I have my guards down for a minute and he'll read it and he'll say, and he reads ingredients now. Like I did not think to read ingredients, but now he'll read the ingredients and say, mum, this isn't vegan. We can't buy this at the shops, but we can buy these chips. Can we buy these chips? <laughs> He's really great at that now. And I bought, I bought just because we have, after on karate night, it's quite late. And so I try to make, like, try to make meals in early. If I, and if I don't, I try to make, like, just wraps with falafels or something like that. So it's super quick and we have them in the freezer and it's all set, ready to go. But one night last week, I just thought, all right, I'm going to be a rebel. I never would do this, but I'm going to stop at the whole food store and I'm going to get vegan pies for them and I'm mm. going to have a potato. <laughs> But I thought I'd be fun, Mum. For yeah. them, and I grabbed this Gado Gado vegan pies. I just grabbed a pile. I said I just read Gado, and I knew that they mm -hmm. were vegan. And I got them all home, and there was one that looked like 
more sad in inverted commas, like more healthy. And then there was two with like crunchy puff like puff pastry. And I was thinking, well, why are they different when the other one. they're vegan? Mm. And I just, they made, obviously, they put a whole pile of these pies, gado gado pies. Only one of the ones I grabbed was vegan and the rest were non-vegan. Oh, that's weird. They put them together. And so I had gotten home, put them all in one pile. I got home and I was right on tea time and I had to literally divide up one pie between my husband <laughs> and my kids and give away the other two pies. When you were trying to be fun, Mum. So trying. It looks even more sad, Mum, when there's only a third of a tiny pie. See, I made lots of chips to make up for it, but still. But, yeah, my son was just like, how did you not know that? How did you not read that? So like, as they grow, he's becoming... More aware. He's becoming so much more aware, but also a little helper in my shopping because he's... Yeah, that's awesome. You should have brought me in because I would have read that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I would have you... taken care of it, Mum. <laughs> which, which is really helpful because I thought that you'd always be shopping with kids that want everything and just want to try everything. But he literally will... He flips over the packet and will read me the ingredients and go, look, we can't have that and put that back. My kids turn the packet to me and go, Mum, can we? <laughs> like turn the ingredients to my face and I'm like, hang on a minute, give me a second. (laughs) But it's interesting how you say I want to be fun mum, right? That's an element of it. There is a guilt element that we we see what how society eats and we want to make sure that our kids don't feel like they're missing out. So I think there's there's a part of it a part of being a mum that you need to have confidence in the way you're feeding your kids. And I think that was a big thing for me because I had a bit of sort of judgment from family and questioning and some one side of the family is totally like, that's awesome, wish I could do that. And the other was kind of, um, you know, is this the best thing? You know, what about the kids and how are they going to grow? And and there was a part of me that got really offended and I had to actually ask myself, okay, hang on, do you truly believe in this? Like if you're getting upset by what they're saying, is there a part of you that you know, is unsure still. And I think I had to have that moment to myself and go, no, I am sure. I feel good about this, you know. And and I had to kind of let go of that judgment and the fact that we don't live in a vegan world or even just a mostly plant-based world. Like I think I think that's a big part of it, not worrying what other people think and finding people around you that you can go to if you are unsure, you know, and you need guidance on a nutritional level. or So um, I think that mum guilt's a, a big factor. Mum guilt is a huge factor. In and so many elements. In but so many elements. Obviously how you feed your children. So, yeah, so and their happiness around food, I it, think, It's isn't a it? happiness factor. Yeah. I think if, if our kids went to, if there was some magical vegan school. Where everyone ate the same. Every kid was vegan and whole food plant-based, my dream life. It's because for me, it's literally the mainstream school influence. That's what makes me feel the most as a mum guilty. Because he comes home and he'll say, and he doesn't say it in a, he just says like, oh, this kid had like a cheesy mite roll from Baker's Delight for lunch, which to me is like so sad (laughs) because it doesn't feel like food for your kid's body, but. Iggy's like, and he had a sprinkle roll. He got this two, an ice roll with sprinkles on it and a cheesy mite, bacon and egg roll, something like that. Double. Double rolls. And the kid, the kid, the kid to Iggy always says he's quite overweight and he always has food like that in his lunchbox. 
and Iggy just notices it, you know. And But I bet you, you take that as, see, this is the thing, they come home and they tell us a story. They're not necessarily saying they wanted that, but we take it as, oh, you want that? But often I say to my kids, oh, what do you think? They said, oh, I don't know, I, would, I don't want that. I'm happy with my lunch. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, so he didn't want that, but he mentions little bits of food. And and throughout the day when he said, I think it's mostly lollies when Iggy says uh, they had like Ribena in their lunch order or they had a cupcake or they had uh, a thing. And I do just think, and his lunchbox, he said a few times, because we make this bento box and it's always a bento box and he has like a whole wheat sourdough with salad in it, sandwich and a bento box. Sometimes he might have sushi, sometimes he might have rice pepper rolls, but that's generally like a fruits and veggies, sticks and veggies and maybe some bliss balls or whatever. But it's always pretty much the same, but same, in yeah. different chopped up. We make it look fun. I think it looks amazing, but and like, yeah, it might colourful. have hummus, it might have, you know, some yogurt, whatever. But he opens it because he doesn't have anything in a packet because we don't like wasting, wrecking the planet and Mother Nature can't eat this packet. So he has nothing in a packet. And he just wants the, literally he wants the packet. He wants the wow factor of the packet and the wrapper. And he'll be like, they have muesli bars and these and that. And, and yeah, he wants, I say, I'll make you a homemade muesli bar. <laughs> it's just like, mum. Won't cut it, mum. I won't cut it. So he's not always talking about it, but it is that guilt that I just think, oh, I remember the kids with vegetarian parents at my school and how desperate they were for junk food. Something from one of your lunchboxes. Yeah. And so that's the part where I think, oh, I want to balance it. Not balance it, obviously, so it's not a balance. It's always going to be 90% whole food plant-based. But I want them to have enough so that they don't feel like they have to never come home when they're teenagers and only go to their friend's place and eat only junk food and meat and ice cream and all the things. Because that's what my vegetarian friends from my primary school did. They would come to our house and be like, give me all the meat, give me all the cheese, give me all the chocolate, give me all the dollars. See, I don't think they could do it, though. No, they? my kids I, couldn't yeah, do it. No but way. Iggy says, I'd like to go to – when I'm an adult, I'm going to be able to buy and just once, I know it made me feel sick, but just once I want to be able to make all the choices to buy whatever I want at the shops. But I guess that's that freedom too, isn't it, of children in general? And we've got to be careful not to put our – because what I find is too to not put my own childhood kind of expectations on them and what I wanted or what was normal or whatever you want to call it then. So I know with Easter a couple of times um, – my mum sort of saw Easter as hot cross buns and excess chocolate and we decided with our kids it would be more about the hunt and, yeah, a little bit of chocolate but it was about the hunt and we would do toys and stuff in the garden maybe and things like that. So it became about the hunt and some clues and that kind of – but because you put your own memories and – Absolutely. So you've got to be careful not to do that because they're building their own – journey around what Easter means and what, yeah. you know, what Christmas a, means, birthday. a lunchbox, all those things. Yeah, what a birthday is. So I think I've had to be careful not to put my own memories and attachments to certain foods on them because they're actually really resilient and really kind of flexible more than more than us adults in many ways. And I think that's a big thing with kids. I think it's a really good way of looking at it, Amy. I think it's it is about putting your own memories and I'm totally guilty of putting my going going in and putting memories on certain situations and 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 then noticing and thinking like hey, Christmas doesn't have to be the way 
that we had Christmas. Easter doesn't have to be the way that we had Easter. And sometimes I still slip up and you know, it's just it's just a pattern of behavior that still I had many more years non-vegan than I've had vegan. So you do I do catch myself and then when you go to the city like you do this and then I'm like no you don't. You don't have to do that. You can go to the city and and not just eat junk food in the city. It can be about <laughs> sights or that hasn't you know, but just Trips don't have to be about eating. Like lots of different events when you're growing up become about the 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 cherry on the top of everything is the junk food or the fatty food or the hot chips at the beach or the ice cream or the the thing. But it actually doesn't have to be about that. No, at you can all. make it what you want to make it. And I think that's that's something I've had to let go of. Yeah, because the kids don't have that expectation, so they're like a fresh. They're a fresh start. You can kind of, you know, make it what you want. And it's the same with, you know, a Sunday night roast. I mean, our favourite thing at the moment is is tacos. We get a sandwich press and we get the tortillas and we get all the bowls of, of fillings and I sit at one end and we like literally flip tacos down the table. And, you know, that's become that meal for us that's all together, it's fun, it's delicious. And so I guess you just gotta find things that suit suit you. And it's kind of kind of part of I was thinking about sort of the, the three things for me, it was about finding finding my why and what my motivations were and then finding sort of a tribe, I guess. And for me that was, you know, a Facebook group, a couple of podcasts that were backed by nutritionists and doctors and those kind of things that you knew was credible information. I had a friend up the road who was going plant-based at the same time. My naturopath wasn't plant-based but 100% supported me so I could call him and say you know how much vitamin d is enough all those kind of questions you have as a mum, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing and then but then it's also about finding your own way like what suits your family you know are you the kind of family who batch cook everything so you're sorted and you've got your week sorted I can't do that if I batch cook something and I put it in the freezer I never want to eat it again like for it's just not it doesn't suit me but for some families that is a lifesaver I like to have a fridge full of fresh stuff. I literally open the fridge and decide what I'm cooking in that night. It's not the most efficient way, but that's what works for us. So I think you've got to find your why, you've got to find your motivation, you've got to find your tribe and your support and your network for confidence and for, you know, ideas and guidance. And then you've got to find your way that suits your family or your personal needs, you know. I think it's a balance of all those things that brings it together for success. Absolutely. That really, you nailed the three tips, Amy. I have to say, Thank you. you really nailed them. <laughs> and I thought to every guest on the show, but you really nailed them. Because that why, isn't it interesting how your why changes and you stack whys? Like it yes, starts it as grows. One, it grows. See, for me, I think it started with curiosity. It started with curiosity, then it became logic. Then it worked, then it felt good from, well, a health point of view, but also an ethical point of view. And then the planet debate just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And then you're like, oh, there's so many whys, that's it, we're done. Yeah. But everyone has their own why and you can't take someone else's. You've got to find your own because if you don't have your own, then you there's sort of you lose that purpose and motivation. And it's interesting because, as you said, like, you know, you can't force your why onto somebody else. You know, I try no. to force my why onto my husband for like six six years. <laughs> because, and. But that was your why. That was my why. You know, I yeah. had this maternal 
Oh my gosh. And a drive, yeah. It was a really maternal. I had my son, and then I just went. Oh. Obviously, I had my multiple sclerosis, and then that, that was that was a a why, the first why, and then. But when someone was dependent on you, that why became a fire. Yeah, it became such a yeah. fire that it literally became because that ethics is what clicked in for me. I was like, oh my gosh, all mums love their babies. Like I'm, I love my baby. <gasps> yeah, I'm taking babies away from mums, and I would hate if someone came and took my baby away. Yeah, like my heart. You know, I just was, you know, that time when you just cry over everything, and I was yes. just, it just hit me like, oh my god, I'm taking a baby away because, and Iggy was five months old, and I remember just that like. <gasps> Cow mothers love their babies like I love my baby. And it was just, and I couldn't understand that Ranjit couldn't look at our baby and get yeah. that. He just couldn't. He just couldn't feel what I felt. I was breastfeeding, you know, so I was real. I was like, oh my God, cow mums make milk for their babies. Yeah, and I they think love that, their that's babies. a big one, isn't it? Human milk, cow milk. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't, but he couldn't feel that feeling. Like he couldn't get it. And that to yeah. me was like, how can you not get this? I'm telling you, they make the, I had this realisation when I was breastfeeding that the cows make this milk how for their babies. feel the same way? And mm. he couldn't. And it wasn't until like your husband, like he watched Cowspiracy and he was like, that, that gets me for the environment and I care mm. about the planet. And then he, he was eating it at home because I said, look, I can't have it at home because I've got MS, the kids are more likely to get MS because yes, so I protect them as well. Have MS, yeah. and he was happy to go at our house's MS. If you're eating chicken and meat and cheese in front of our kids, it's sending them this really confusing message because you're their hero. Yeah, totally. And they're going to be like, "Well, Mum's making us eat this way we don't like, and you're eating these foods that obviously must be delicious and mysterious that you're eating that I'm going to be fascinated by." So you can't eat them in front; you have to eat it out only with your friends. But then he yeah. noticed that he felt ace at home and crap when he'd eat with his friends. And, and that became his why. Yeah, his why changed as well. And it is that. And then he's watched Game Changers and he listens to his podcast, his brainwashed li- editing 162 episodes. So he's had his, had, his, <laughs> had his why forced on him. But it is, like you say, about stacking those whys and then. Because diet's so personal. Like it's literally what you put in your mouth. You cannot, you, that is not someone else's decision. And I think that's a, that's something too when you first, you know, go plant-based and you're so motivated about it, you've got to be careful because a lot of people don't want to hear it. No. And it's not really the way to go about it. Mm-mm. And I think the minute I realised that, that you just sit back and just, just be you and then people kind of notice and ask questions. And that was another thing too. I decided... When I went through that kind of questioning around family judgment and my own self-confidence around it and I realized, no, you know what, I do believe in this. And I, and from that point on, I didn't buy dairy milk when people came to stay. I didn't buy butter when people came to stay. I make a really nice macadamia nut milk and people have it in their coffee and they go, wow, this is actually delicious. Macadamia nut milk is the most delicious plant milk there is. It's just expensive. I can't get but it's coffee so anywhere delicious. now because I just like my coffee. After isolation, being at home every day, I made macadamia nut milk and had my coffee. And now I go to a cafe and it's fine. I'll get a soy latte. But really, coffee at home is just oh, so good. But, you know, it was that level too and cooking delicious food for people but not feeling like I was missing something or leaving something out or not buying that token tub of Dairy Bell cow ice cream. I'm not doing it anymore because 
there there isn't a need to justify it. And, you know, we had a family stay recently with really, really fussy eaters and my husband had just made pancakes with, and they're gluten-free too, obviously, because we are, and he'd put, um, you know, psyllium husk in there in replace sort of for a binding for eggs. And they were super healthy, all organic. And the we had some left over when they arrived. And I said, oh, would you like one? And I put a bit of my raspberry chia jam on it. And I said, give me a, give me a one to 10 score and I'll, I'll tell your uncle, you know, what they thought. And he said, it's a 10 out of 10. And then I made a pink milk, which was, you know, strawberries and soy milk, you know, and I'd put a bit of zinc and vitamin C and stuff in there, which I do for my kids every now and then. And again, you know, it was delicious and they all had it and it made me realize I don't need to compromise anymore. I can make the delicious food that we make every other day and serve it. Yeah. That's the thing is because people, when you make fresh, beautiful food, it's so much, it does like my mum, similar to you, former you, like she always is like, I'd like to have vegan food at home but we have guests coming and so I want to have normal milk and I want to have normal chocolate and cheese and crackers and biscuits and whatever when they come mm. and I said you know what you'd be so mum if you bought out a beautiful plate of fruit no one ever complains when there's a rainbow of color in front of them yeah like kids birthdays a massive thing of fruit and some popcorn they're in heaven in heaven like, yeah they looks and we eat with our eyes who wants a brown bicky when you can have a rainbow plate of blueberries and watermelon and grapes and strawberries and cherries Absolutely. and amazingness like yeah so i think that's a big part of it letting go of that and not feeling like you're you're compromised and and accepting it and kind of yeah so i think that was a big part of it for me but that was going back on what we were talking about your why is in it's better just to live it and be it And then you're more of an example to people than trying to say, you know, have you watched this and did you know this and, you know, why are you drinking that or, you know. (laughs) And, you know, even I've got friends who who have gone more plant-based but they'll still sometimes have milk in their tea or butter on their toast and and that used to bother me. But it doesn't bother me anymore because I've accepted where I'm at with it all and I'm not going to compromise that sets my way and that's who I am but I think I think it, it there is that battle with society and and your personal why that you've got to come to terms with and realize it yeah exactly what we're saying it's not someone else's why and that's okay absolutely and it's something it, as we said it's something different for everyone like your husband needed science other people need their emotional connection they, they go vegan for the animals and then they find out that there's health benefits yeah. and then they find out that there's planetary benefits and it, it, or it could be just a youtube video or it could be a post just a quick photo of a lamb and they've just made the connection just from some writing that the person's done on that picture or it could mm. be seeing chatting to a conversation over the water fountain or whatever it is, you know, like there are so many different ways to connect with someone. And and like for for many people, it is having a friend like yourself who is just living it and doing doing it. it. Yeah. Making it look easy as well, making it look easy and fun. And like, it's not the biggest most difficult thing because it is it is huge for people to make that change in their diet oh absolutely and I think and I think that's something people need to be aware of don't don't worry if it feels like the like how am I I remember when we took dairy out and thinking what are we going to eat and then now I look back and think how did I possibly think that was going to be a challenge but at the time it was because it's what you're used to and if it means swapping out 
one thing, you know, or even transitioning your kids to half cow milk, half something else, and then slowly. Like I started in smoothies because if I put it in their cereal, it was just such an obvious change. So, you know, I, I guess that's sort of part of finding your own way too. It might be overnight for someone or it might be, you know what, it's going to take us a year to do this. But your why will determine your way, I guess, if you know what I mean. Like if it's health, it might need to be overnight. If it's ethics, it might, you know, be so emotional that it's overnight. But it might just be bit by bit. Mm, what you're saying is so perfect, honestly. And I, I this podcast has come from probably for listening for a long time. I've gone on this, you know, I'm going on a journey with everyone. I'm not at all at the end of a journey. I'm in I'm in a life journey of learning and growing and and I and I like that actually. I really like that. But um Yeah, that's awesome. But you know, coming at the start, I probably was really militant at the start. And with the guests I would be I would definitely reconsider them if they said they ate any animals because I would be thinking, oh, I'm a vegan and I, you know, I can't have guests saying that this is a vegan podcast, this is an you know, ethically vegan podcast, it's also a health podcast, but I want them to be. And now I just feel like for people on this journey, you need to know that there's all types of people on this journey. 100%. There's people at the start, there's people who were confused, there's people who were overwhelmed, there's people who say, I can do everything except cheese. I can do everything except... That's still a huge step. It's such a huge step. And every time, honestly, my as you say, being militant didn't win me vegans, didn't make vegans. But I think that's part of our journey to being okay with it. It's part of our journey of letting go of... Because we're trying to justify it, I think, at the start. We're trying to, we want everyone to agree with us so we feel okay about it. But then the minute we realise we are okay about it, this is our choice and this is our journey and that's what we want and we are truly okay with it, then that whole kind of militant kind of wanting everyone to be the same way as you just falls falls away and you're more proud of someone when they say, oh, I'm eating less meat. And you're like, awesome, that's so cool. You know, what led you to to cut down and be more curious about their journey and, you know, the fact that they've cut out, you know, maybe even Meatless Monday or something. like That's a huge step for whoever that person is and their lifestyle and their family. So, But it also, when you're genuinely happy for them, even if it's to you a seemingly really small step, it, it helps keep them going you know yeah Yeah, it helps keep them going so when you're like oh well that all you only you're only you've only given up milk well there's about 50 million animals you could be stopping eating it's not very it's not it's not encouraging it's not encouraging and it is huge but i think i've had a huge shift there from going oh my god why do we all why have we all eaten this way to much more kind of like cool i'm happy with where i'm at and it's just that find you know finding that that sort of happiness I guess but for me I have I have realized that some days I feel like that and I'm and being under being okay with yourself that some days you can totally accept everyone for where they're at and some days when there's bushfires around the country and it's burning and you're thinking, everyone fucking hurry up. Everyone hurry up. Like with our babies yeah. don't have time for you to take your time 
having meatless Mondays, sometimes yeah. you feel that urgency and it's okay to feel that urgency sometimes and get really upset that it's not happening as fast as you want for your babies, for the planet, for the animals. It's okay to get emotional about it because it is emotional. It does feel emotional. It is. And especially at the moment, it's all come to very much ahead you know, this year, I think, too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not at all. If you're in your journey where you're thinking, I'm at the moment I'm really militant and I don't understand people eating meat and I don't understand how it can keep going and how we can keep making these yeah, choices. we've been there. Yeah, we've been there. And sometimes I go back there in a day. And you sometimes know? it comes back, yeah. You go back there in yeah. a day and you think, oh, my gosh, I look at a, a shot restaurant and I see a whole basket of chicken wings and I think, you just ate like, 20 birds and you didn't even think about it yeah and I and also too I I think I think like watching David Attenborough's film this year and I was just like oh yes thank god I hope people listen to that you know there is that that environmental side of it that you just there is that worry that we don't have time we don't have time to take our time again acceptance is going to be the better way forward it literally is and and that's and living living your way that it is about taking yourself doing your best to calm down like dr ash nayati um she's a vegan neuropsychologist she's been on the show twice and she's Mm -hmm. really wise woman but she spoke about you know when you feel when you feel that anger and that outrage it is because a boundary is being crossed. Your value boundary is being crossed for the planet, for the animals, and that's that anger. And that's okay. That anger is okay. Yeah. It's just how you harness it and utilize it. You know how you show up as an advocate, and you can be an advocate just by making beautiful meals, like you did, making those pancakes for your friends, making that pink, pink milk. Milk. Yeah. It, that that exactly. is advocacy. That is. You're teaching a new thing to other people who don't know about it. It doesn't have to be outrageous and out there and tying yourself to a slaughterhouse truck. It doesn't have to be massive. It just has to be something that's congruent with you, that feels okay with you. And having that awareness when things don't feel good and maybe getting off social media for a bit or meditating or going for a walk or connecting in with that tribe, as you said. Yeah. That tribe of like-minded people. I think that's everything. And I think um, and I think you need that support. And, and whether it's, I guess it comes across all different areas, whether it's a friend who's doing it with you or whether it is just a health professional that you can check in with or, you know, I mean, I love the online community and social media for that. I think it's, I think that's been really powerful for me of like-minded people. And now that we have podcasts and social media, it's an international conversation. It's no longer a, a local conversation. So you're connecting with people all over the world who think the same as you, and that's really powerful and, and a huge support. So that's really cool. It's, it's awesome. And as well because there's just, there's just so many, with that international conversation, you're getting, I really liked even just simple things. I love getting new ideas about how to do it, how to cook this way, how to, how to eat this way. You know, I had a woman on last week and she was talking about like vegan drinks, like sugar-free drinks, like making mm. vegan drinks. And I don't often think about that. I'm like, well, here's water and smoothies. <laughs> You've got juice, <laughs> juice, water and smoothies. But she has a whole on her, she made it, you know, she has a website and she 
as a plant, a blog, you know, blogging about whole food plant based eating, and she was like, "I have a whole thing on sugar free drinks," and I hadn't ever really contemplated needing a whole thing on sugar free whole food drinks that like a tasty and yum so you feel special when you're at a party or you feel like you're nice for entertaining too yeah and i just thought see i love that you're over there in america making in ohio making totally sugar-free drinks and learning all these different ways of doing it and different viewpoints about about you know the, the tips that everyone gives each week and things that they teach me about you know knowing that if you're doing if you're getting 80 percent it's an a you know 80 yeah. percent's awesome it's awesome for the animals it's awesome for the planet give yourself a high five yeah and I think there was I was listening to a podcast the other week and it was a psychologist talking about um veganism but also cognitive dissidence with people who can't kind of accept you know a vegan world and, and sort of what that means to them but also too she was talking about people being as vegan as they can and she said you know even people who are supportive of a vegan lifestyle vegan allies she said that's really huge if we had a world full of vegan allies that the world would be pretty vegan vegan pretty quickly um and i think and i think that's a really good point but going back to what you were saying about ideas like my husband's going to roast a watermelon for christmas i mean like that's off some american youtube video or something and you just like soak it in brine with he's so excited because for the meat loving smoking slow cooking guy you know he gets to brine and you know herb this watermelon i don't know how it's going to turn out but it's going to be fun and you know (laughs) that's that's the online sort of international community for you so i think i think that's really cool and i guess that's what how he's i mean I'm jumping around a lot here, sorry, but that's he's found passion in that again, in in being the one who, you know, does the spice mix for the beans for our tacos, or he'll be the one that does, you know, the baking and the things that he loves. So he he's just sort of switched what he does in the kitchen. It's the same kind of things, but it's just to a different focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, it's if you wanted to, if you're listening to this and thinking, you know, I don't know what I don't know what you're thinking. I, I wouldn't dare to assume, but it starts out for me because I was doing it for for multiple sclerosis and fibromyalgia and lots of really serious illnesses. It started out just like oh far out, you know. I so I'm going to regret. I'm going to miss all these things, and then you do like your husband go, oh, my God, I can make this cake delicious and it's got raspberries and whole grains or if you don't, if you're, not, you know, you're gluten-free, but mine had whole grains in it and it's super healthy but it's got banana in it and it's, it's so good. You actually get excited to learn like, yeah. hey, what else? It's just like it becomes like voodoo magic, <laughs> like what you can do in the I can make aquafaba into this? Are you yeah. kidding me? And focusing on what you can have, yeah. not what you can't. Yeah. Because there are a lot of fruits and vegetables, and that's what I've heard a lot of people say too. I eat so much more variety. Mm. You know, a lot of people say that because yeah. they get sort of quite stuck in sort of meat and maybe a potato and maybe a stick of broccoli, whereas when you're dealing with vegetables, it's a whole it's, – it's huge. Like there's so much you can play with in lentils and beans and – it's endless. So it makes you more creative, honestly. Much if you more want creative. it to, it makes me. But it can also be super simple. Oh my gosh. You can actually chop stuff up and put it together. Like, I think there's been a real kind of, um, I, I don't know, it's just kind of um, 
it's been quite liberating for me that meals seem easier. I didn't at first I thought it was going to be a chore, but I find cooking easier. It's it's been liberating. I go to the fruit and veg place, get fresh fruit and veg, and I go to the bulk shop for grains and pasta and you know dried fruit and stuff, and then we're done. Yeah, it's so easy. I agree. I agree. It can be really fun and playing around, and and also. I love having people over, non-vegans over, and thinking, ooh, what am I going to make that they're really going to like? You know, yeah. like Mexican. So or maybe I'll make a vegan, maybe I'll make a vegan curry and make like flatbreads ourselves and do a big spread of homemade pizza. Curry is cur- a great one. Curry's so good. I'm making like homemade pizza and making really fun, making everyone make these amazing veg- vegetarian, no, not vegetarian, but you know, vegetable toppings like mush, marinated mushrooms and t- potato and rosemary and hummus and chickpeas and just all different things you can put on a pizza. Like the, the world becomes your oyster and having them out for people when they come and being like, let's just make a big spread and make your own pizzas. It's fun. You can't not like it. Who doesn't like pizza with all these different kinds of no, toppings? and I think it surprises a lot of people. Mm. My friends used to call it um, a vegetable biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> You're having your vegetable biscuit. We're having pizza. <laughs> but it is. It's going to be it's so a good much vegetable fun. Biscuit. It's if a you big want it biscuit. To be. It's a giant vegetable biscuit. Yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> Thank you. It's got so late. I, I, it was really fun talking with you. I could talk to you all day. Um, but I loved your why. You're finding your tribe and finding your own way. I think that last one is something that you can't. You can't do it Amy's way. You can't do it my way. It's not going to be Ranjit's way or Dr. Malcolm McKay's way or Dr. Michael Clapper's way. It's not going to be. And that's the thing I think that a lot of people in the vegan movement, we think that there has to be a conclusive one way. There's this one way that you do it. Yeah, take the pressure off. It's that one way is not going to work for you. I don't want to have marinated kale steamed with apple cider vinegar three meals a day. Like it's just, I'm just not going to do it. But I know it's good for me and I wish I could, but I'm <laughs> I can get inspiration from that. I know sometimes if I'm not feeling great, I'll eat more of that. But yeah. I agree. It's inspirational because yeah. you know that it's good for you and you learn mm. certain reasons why. But it's okay. Like we had my husband made gluten-free salad and we ate two loaves of it for dinner the other night and that was it. That, that, that's okay if that happens, you know. Like find your yeah your way and what suits your family. Because that's the only way you can make it sustainable and people talk about, you know, people who become ex-vegans. I think there's a whole many reasons why we become ex-vegans. Some of it is that we, we lose our way, we get confused. It was unrealistic the message. maybe. It was yeah. unrealistic. We weren't ready. We didn't have that why stacked enough. Perhaps we – Or the tribe. For we didn't have a tribe. Support. Yeah. Or or we we don't make it actually work for our health, you know? We do it really ill-informed based on like one blogger or a YouTuber that we think looks fit and amazing without actually knowing how to maintain our overall health, eat optimally, get enough nutrients, do all those things for our bodies because if you're eating vegan Oreos and thinking that you're vegan and healthy yeah it's going to change your health it's not it's just it's just it's just not but i think that finding your own way is about saying like what will work where's your body at going to the doctor really figure in naturopath or not dietitian or whatever and saying how can i make this work and 
and with your life, your lifestyle, the tastes that you like, the way that you like to live. Like you don't like batch cooking, but somebody else does. And exactly. I don't like batch cooking. You don't have to. No. You just have to do what works for your family and just slowly figure that out. If you have time, if you have a health problem like me, maybe you have to do it quick. I had to do it quick. That's exactly right. Some people have to do things cold turkey because it suits their personality. Some people might take a long time and that's, that's exactly right. It's just got to be what suits you. Yeah, so find your own way. I love that. Thank you so much. Is there anywhere people can follow you online just before I hang up? Are you? Do you have a uh, – Let's Be Honest on Instagram. Let's Be Honest on Instagram. And I will definitely go follow you there. And everything's in the show notes. Anything I've mentioned should be in the show notes. If I've left it out, mess- message me because sometimes I write these notes in a very big hurry when my kids are having their after-school hangs and it's a lot of noise. <laughs> so if I miss anything out, let me know. It was sorry, sorry for taking so long. I love chatting with you. It was great. And you're really going to help so many different people because there's a lot of people out there that, that are thinking it's too hard because my husband's a meat eater and my kids have been non-vegan their whole lives. This is a big change to make for a whole family. So your story, I think, is going to help so many people to say, you know, like you say, kids are resilient. They're resourceful. They're we're the ones that put our beliefs on them about how childhood should look, how meals should look, how celebrations should look, how parties should look, how everything should look around food. But they don't know. They're a blank slate. And also, too, I reckon kids are complain no matter what diet they're having when they look at someone else's lunchbox and stuff, all those little things. I think with that mum guilt, got to, you've got to have a check on that because I think that plays a part in that too. And the yeah. thing is, at the end of the day, we're not, we're not their friends. Like no. we, we are their friends and I love my kids so much. But but nutrition's not a not a sort of place to play with that. It's their health. Yeah. I don't want my kids to, I said to them, you know, if I gave you everything that you would want, you'd have donuts and Sour Patch Kids and fizzy drink and waffles every single day for the rest of your life and you would be sick and like I was, dad was. You know, we were both sick kids and overweight kids that went out to be, I became chronically ill when I got to eat whatever I wanted and, and you're not that way, you're healthy and I don't I don't want to be the parent that gives in to you so often that you end up where I was. Yeah. I feel like nutrition's a non negotiable and that's like we're there to guide them, not to let them, you know, find their own way. They can do that later. We don't let them stay up to ridiculous o'clock every single night because we know it's not good for their body. We don't let them not go out in the sun and not drink water. We know it's not good for their bodies and food is it's the, the same. same thing. Exactly right. We put a jumper on them when it's cold. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Thank you. It was a pleasure, absolute pleasure. It's 10 o'clock at night. We're all both tired. We're tired mums. My husband's already asleep. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on the show. Your energy is infectious and I am so happy to hear stories like yours where you have successfully transitioned your whole family to a whole food plant-based diet. I know it's going to be an inspiration for so many people who are on this path themselves and who have young children or a partner or a husband or a wife that they also would like to join them in this journey I know that this episode will resonate. Thank you all so much for listening and for all of your everything that has been this 2020 year. It's been massive. It's been massive and I I am ex- I am exhausted. But it's given me so many incredible learnings and when when I think about challenges and 2020 has definitely been a challenge where many of us have had to pivot and I had to, you know, uh, my 
my beautiful Reiki space had to be closed down and things had to change and I had to just think on my feet and many of us have had to think on our feet or just stop altogether or there's been so many moments of just pausing and reassessing for us all and so much uncertainty and and worry and fear and 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 they're all they're all a spectrum of emotions that make the us all human so I hope that we can all heal together and grow together and and trust in the journey that is our journey in this lifetime in this body that we've been given and sometimes the journey is not paved with rose petals sometimes it's paved with all that has been year a year like this year where there's been tragedy and sadness and uncertainty and heartache and and worry and so much kind of change and insecurity and all those things and I, I hope that we can all find the gifts that come from the adversity adversity that comes in in, de- in moment to moment each day in adversity that affects us and impacts us all the time throughout our lives. For me, it's about really focusing on gratitude, focusing on what I want, focusing on what I want the world to be like, focusing on kindness and love and forgiveness and compassion, focusing on my own health and my own mind really being the master of my own mind, really making sure that my thoughts are the type of thoughts that I want manifest in the world, that they're kind, that they're, that they're growth mindset thoughts that help me to learn and adapt and change. And when I reach a wall, they help me to alter my course and to find a new path and and do that even though I may be frightened and anxious about where the next steps are going to lead me. The future is what we create and all together when we're putting out compassion and empathy and understanding and when we're listening and really listening to people who have differing opinions or different ideas and we're really listening and valuing them and meeting them where they're at and saying, hey, what can I learn from you? What can I? What can you teach me about your experience in this life, about your wisdom, your interpretation of what's going on? How can I meet you where you're at with love and compassion and understanding? And, and also still hold true to my own values and my beliefs and my own boundaries and, and what I want from life. And that, that's not an easy path, but it's a path that I hope to tread and I and I intend on treading as I move forward in this in this existence that we've all been given. I wish you all the very best this year. The rest of this year, the last two weeks or three weeks of 2020, I hope that you're safe where you are, that your families are held safe and that you're feeling loved and connected with. And if you're not, you know, please reach out, reach out to me, reach out to your community, reach out to your family and friends, you know, rescue a dog or a cat this Christmas and make a new fur friend. That they're just the best they're just the best people. <laughs> I love them so much. If you have that those resources, of course. Take care of yourself and the people around you and the animals around you and the planet around you. And I am certain that twenty twenty one will be it'll be something. (laughs) I'm certain it'll be something. I'm certain that it'll be something. 
I'm not sure what, but I know that there'll be growth in it for all of us. And we're all in it together in this human experience on this planet. So <laughs> let's just hope for the best and prepare for whatever may come. Like surely there's like bees and floods and <laughs> no, we're all in this together. So know that I'm here with you. Mwah. See you all soon. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier day.